0: The idea behind like Fred's, for example, and having it be a really open kitchen is that, you know, most of the time at a great dinner party, everyone always ends up at the end of the night standing around the kitchen bench. And I love that. I I think it's like the last thing that we do these days that is totally for pleasure, but brings us around our friends and elicits that great conversation where you talk about... You know, the important topics of the world and how you can be inspired by something your friend said over dinner, you know, that propels you the next day to make a decision and you go on to change the world. Like those are things that we miss when we forget to make that time for ourselves, our friends and our family.
1: I'm your host, Natalie Drenovac, and welcome to The Modern Women, a show that seeks to share the stories and experiences of women that may be out of our line of sight. If ever there was a male-dominated industry, it is that of chefs. The irony being that when we think of someone who's made us some of our most delicious meals, generally thoughts of our mothers or our grandmothers pop into our minds. So I wanted to explore, why is it that the chef industry is so gendered? To help me figure this out, I had the pleasure of sitting down with the world-renowned head chef of Fred's in Paddington, and recently published author of Always Add Lemon, Danielle Alvarez. We talked all things food and culture, how our upbringing shape our relationship with food, how social media and fad dieting can distort it, and much like any industry, how important it is for women to continue to see themselves in leadership positions. Danielle provides a refreshing, centered and grounding perspective on food. And I'm sure by the end of this episode, you want to make a booking for yourself at Fred's or run out and buy a copy of Always Add Lemon. And in the spirit of the holiday season, I'm giving away two of her books to those who share this across their Instagram, because we all know 2020 has given us many reasons to savor the simple delight of a great meal shared with those that we love. If you love this episode and any others of the podcast, make sure you're subscribed wherever you love to listen and be sure to share it with all the other incredible women in your life. Okay, so let's kick off with your let's rapid go. fires. Yep. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very excited for this conversation. Thanks for having me.
0: The one ingredient We should all get more acquainted with using? Probably lemon, um, which is a nod to my book, but definitely lemon can work wonders. Uh, Worst cooking mistake? Underseasoning or overseasoning.
1: Have you ever had a real blunder though, where you just, you had that, horror in your stomach when you realize you'd either sent out a dish or cooked for family and you hadn't or
0: oh yeah like I mean I'm really strict about seasoning every step of the way so I I rarely forget to season but sometimes you can be a little heavy-handed or you're just not paying attention and you put too much in and and yeah like that's there's no coming back really from that you can try to mask it up with other things but that's that's as bad as it can get easier to throw it out yeah start again start again (laughs) favorite holiday destination Tokyo any because of the food the scenery everything I went for the first time last year and I swear as soon as we can travel again I am gonna be there um, you know to explore more. There's just such incredible food. At every turn in every corner there's all these incredible little bars and restaurants that seat five or six people you know just outrageous things that would ne- could never exist anywhere else. Um, and the the care that the people put into their craft, whatever it is in that country is just mind blowing. I, I mean, I only went for like two weeks. I'd love to go for much longer. Uh, something you learned about yourself during COVID. Um, that I love being at home and I am an introvert. Um, I think for a long time I tried to pretend like I wasn't, but I think I felt such a restorative um thing happening to me just because I was at home in a quiet place not talking to people all day long like I do in a restaurant and I felt really really recharged so it was a a blessing of a time for me but I know a terrible time for so many so I try not to shout that too much yeah i had a great covid experience yeah i know yeah. i mean it just feels so insensitive but it was for me and, and you know hopefully it all continues to be well in australia we've been incredibly lucky
1: absolutely completely agree And for those who can hear your accent, referring back to America, it's a very different experience over there right now.
0: Absolutely. It feels like night and day when I look at what's going on over there, it's pretty scary.
1: How many months off did you have during COVID?
0: Three months we were closed from March and we reopened in June. Yeah, But I was still working a little bit in that time, so it wasn't complete time off, but it was enough to really recharge the batteries. Yeah, perfect. Yeah.
1: So I've read numerous articles that speak to the influence of your mother and grandmother in how your love and passion for food developed. Do you think growing up with these two role models and their presence in the kitchen showed you that you could be at the helm of the kitchen yourself? Because I grew up with a mother who loved to cook, I grew up with a mother who involves me, but I can barely fry an egg.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, to I can't, overstate enough how important those women were in my life. Um, their love of food and cooking, but not even more than just the food, the way that they brought the family and the friends all together around a table had a huge impact on my life. I think those were some of my happiest memories as a child. I had no idea that that would translate into professional cooking because that is very different. Like, you know, that feeling of cooking at home for your friends and your family is not what I do in a restaurant. Like I might It might feel like I'm trying to pull up that sentiment and that emotions, but my day-to-day is extremely different from all of that. So in the one sense, they were incredibly influential in that they were strong, beautiful women that could cook. But what I do professionally um, is quite different from the feelings that I got from them. Like being a chef is it's rigorous, it's very physical, you know, you you do really have to be in control of a lot of different balls juggling in the air at the same time. Um, And there's other things like, you know, the business management side of things that also play in, which is, you know, not how you cook at home. A lot of personalities. (laughs) Yeah. And for you, what was that leap and jump? Well, it was I I had been to university and I studied, um, I started studying architecture and very quickly realized. I was like, that is a complete leap. Just realized I didn't have the mass brain to be able to do that. Uh, So I studied, I switched into art history. A bit of like, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I was at university. I had to pick something. Um, And I really, really enjoyed that. But interestingly enough, I think it was almost that like transition that led me more into cooking because as part of the art history degree, I went to Italy. I spent several months there going to museums, you know, going to the churches to look at the art, all of that stuff and, and really got into food there. And in Italy, I mean, what better place to do something like that? So then, you know, I could see if I look back now, I can see the seeds that were planted that eventually led to me just being like, I love cooking so much. Why don't I just do this? Yeah. See,
1: I, I do completely agree with you that in Europe, they have a real, there is an art to mm. eating. There is a pleasure around food. Totally. As opposed to just being wrapped in too much around ingredients and sourcing and what you're putting in your body. And
0: Yeah. And like, um, like things in the US especially always felt like there was like a gimmick behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, the restaurants were chain restaurants that we would go to they didn't really have a soul and i think you know getting getting older traveling a bit more going to italy i started to see how food for pleasure as part of people's life was, could be something really central, could be really beautiful, could be highly enjoyable. And that was probably, again, one of the things that made me think, oh, okay, this could be a career.
1: Yeah, I can't even imagine how if at Fred's, you had to put the kilojoules next to the meal, like oh no, you have forget to in the it.
0: States. Yeah, like it's it sucks all the joy out of it. And like you know, I I do recognize that there is um, you know an obesity problem in the U.S. and that's probably why some lawmakers think that that is the answer. But instead, wouldn't it be so much better if we taught? children, especially from a young age, the beauty of food and cooking and growing nice ingredients and how that can translate into a healthful, beautiful life. It's not about putting less butter in it's about taking out all the processed stuff Mm -hmm. it's about cooking for enjoyment and not eating as much of it you know
1: completely well i read in a
0: recent interview
1: uh, a comment of yours it's the food i and hopefully you want to eat it's seasonal and it's nourishing for the heart and soul which is to me a complete and clear juxtaposition in contrast to the clean eating movements of shouldn't have this shouldn't have that
0: yeah i mean (sighs) I guess in clean eating, I mean, what what my take on it is, is that people suggest that, um, you know, completely eliminating sugar and processed food um, and only eating whole ingredients is a better way to eat. And that, that is true for our bodies. But I think you're right. The psychology of telling people that you can't have something and, and making certain foods evil, I think is... Damaging. A mistake. Yeah, Absolutely I, I really don't think that that's the way that we should be going about it.
1: I, I was, I have definitely been someone who has been gluten free, sugar free, dairy free, vegan, and I tell you, actually, just looking at food as an enjoyable pleasure has completely changed
0: my life. Yeah, I. You just, I think. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's all about balance. Like when you really can savor it and enjoy it and have a scoop of ice cream if you really want one. Like you don't need much. You probably just need a few bites, but but when you're not feeling like it's restricted, like it's not something you're allowed to have, I think you're a little bit more conscious of just enjoying it.
1: What other aspects of the food culture have you seen to be completely different between America and Australia since being here for the mm. last 6 years?
0: You know, I I mean, I think if I look at restaurants, there's certainly an element in Australia that I love in that you don't really see a whole lot of chain restaurants. And of course, there is still fast food, but I don't see it as pervasive as it is in the US. Um, So I'm quite happy to see that. I, I love that here... People don't go to a Starbucks. They go to their local cafe.
1: It's almost appalling if you say you drink Starbucks Oh in my God, I, I
0: know. Australians hate it, which I adore because, well, I mean, look, Starbucks, like anything, started off as a small coffee shop in Seattle. And yeah. then obviously someone grew it to this exponential level that now it's not special anymore. Um, but I, I do think there is something about the culture here Um, and the communities here that people really love to support their small local places. And I think that's such a beautiful thing.
1: Uh, To talk about Starbucks quickly, I remember when I was telling my wife about a pumpkin spice latte. She's like... (laughs) I'm just so confused though what do you mean pumpkin in a coffee I was like yeah but you know during during the season oh it's God. freezing it's wonderful but just filled with sugar people
0: are obsessed with that yeah. it's like as soon as as you go to like October 1 it's like all the um, yeah, pumpkin, pumpkin spice, spice everything comes out
1: completely now due to this being called the modern women I was curious as to what you think women are bringing to the industry that we've not yet seen
0: Oh my god, so much. Like uh, there's so many women behind the scenes and I don't think we see enough women in leadership positions in this industry, which I I hope can continue to change. I think more and more it is happening, but there's so many limiting factors, you know, a the work is very physically demanding and I think if you're a mom and you have children and you're trying to juggle all that, plus a very physically strenuous job, um, a lot of people are not willing to do it. Likewise, the hours are very difficult. But I think there is something to being able to, as a if you're a business owner or you're someone that controls how the business operates, Making certain agreements to be able to allow women to stay in the workforce, whether it's giving them flexible hours, even changing a little bit the operation of the business to suit people that are really important to the business you have to be willing to make those changes these days because saying this is how it is and you would like it or not is not going to work anymore yeah well i
1: guess it's the notion that the more women you have the less it's like a, a male locker room
0: yeah and nobody wants that like honestly even a lot of the the chefs that i know that are men that have mostly male kitchens you know every time they have Women come into the kitchen, they always say like, my God, it's everything functions so much better when women are around. And it's true. It's not just like I, I think there's there's several things to that, like on the one hand, there's a certain civility that can occur when you have men and women together. I mean, there can also be horrible stories of abuse and things like that that I've heard. Yeah, I've many stories of the sexism. Yeah, but but if you have a good group of people which hopefully you do, having both together I think creates the best dynamic. Um, And also women just bring a different sensibility to things. There's a calmness, there's an ability to um, juggle multiple things that you know, funnily enough, I don't see men have as much of. Or they get so much more stressed about the juggling of the things. So I think women do that incredibly well, the multitasking. Um, And less ego, you know, I I think that women tend to just want to come in and do a great job, whatever that is, because they want that sense of pride, not because they want to show you how great they are.
1: Yeah. I definitely want to dive into the gendered issue yeah.
0: when it comes to this industry. But
1: as you are the head chef of one of the most known and regarded restaurants in Australia and recently a published author, do you ever stop and think about how your existence and your your exemplary accomplishments are actually influencing younger women every day?
0: I don't think about it a lot, but I, I do catch myself every now and then being like, oh, wow. Like, I could be one of those women that, when I was younger, I was looking up to, which which keeps me in check. You know, I, it it keeps me thinking like, okay, I better like be on my best behavior at all times. Um, but I, I I love that. I mean, I love this industry. It's given me everything I have. I've been able to. Tr- Travel to eat the most amazing food, work with some of the most amazing people and do a job that I genuinely love. So the more women that can see that and want to join the industry, the better. And likewise, even if it's not related to the industry, just to see other women as leaders is important, too.
1: Absolutely. You said something that I really want to touch on. Bad behavior in this industry by men is just so seasonably tolerated. Whereas you said, best keep myself in check, best ensure I'm still... Women have to almost retain this likability. Yeah. And from what I've researched with female chefs, you need to have the talent and that likability factor because I can't see where you could have a female chef with such horrible behavior and be a hothead like Gordon Ramsay.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's something totally true to that and that's just that's not just in cooking you know i think that's across the board in all industries like Mm. um you know i i will say the one thing that i care less and less about is being liked i think for as a young woman i probably put way too much emphasis on that and um, didn't listen to myself or didn't really address problems how they needed to be addressed because I was just worried about like, oh, what are people going to think of me? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to stick my neck out and Mm -hmm. disagree with people. And I think you just realize that you never get anything done if you have that mindset. So I, I may not be You know, I like to think that when I'm out in the world, I'm a nice person. But, you know, in the kitchen, I definitely have a side to me that's quite firm and and it has to be that way. Um, yeah, exactly. Maintaining standards and also just pushing people that little bit more that they need to be pushed. Because a lot of times it's human nature. We all just want to, um, you know, sit back on our heels and, and cruise. And a lot of times, you know, it's my job as a leader to like kick people into gear, not literally kick people. Into... <laughs> just figuratively speaking. That's why you have an open kitchen. Yeah, isn't it? exactly. So I can't it, actually it, kick yeah, exactly. All bad behavior cannot happen <laughs> yeah. when everyone can hear you. Well, it can. and and But that's also the beauty of the open kitchen. Kitchen, I think, because it just keeps everyone on good behavior. But um, yeah, circling back to that point, I think um, men certainly get away with a bit more, and they're and they're regarded as more of just like they're a tough, good leader. Whereas when you see women behaving that way, they think, oh, she's a bitch.
1: Yeah. It's such an easy quip to throw at any woman in any kind of leadership position who's just confident in what she's doing.
0: But then I think if you get to a point of leadership, you'll look back at women like that and think, my God, they were like, they were bang on and good for them for having the strength to do it yeah so
1: this ties really nicely into a recent published study that i actually found when i was looking into this in new zealand now it analyzed media images and the gendered representation of chefs reviewed from 315 different images collected from lifestyle magazines online food event websites hospitality cookbooks etc and it reveals this striking difference between the portrayal of male and female chefs not only did the female chefs feature feature actually less frequently but they men were kind of like stern arms crossed whereas women were like happy and in domestic mm-hmm. settings yeah and i i mean does that resonate with you before i share how i kind of interpret that
0: well it seems like totally obvious that it would i i don't think we're in a place where um where people and Images are are portraying us in equality and how we actually are. Yeah. So, no, it's not surprising.
1: Yeah, because
0: I I firmly believe
1: the idea of, like, I cannot beat if I cannot see it. And just as you said, there will be younger women who you don't even realize will be looking yeah, ahead and thinking, point. wow, yeah. look at you. If she can do it, maybe I can too. Yeah. But also, there seems to be this correlation between women cooking at home and men are professionals in the kitchen. Mm. And that there's a complete disparity, actually, mm. between, I mean, if you were to walk into your kitchen you are the one at the helm there. And so what do you think is happening when we're continually reinforcing this idea that women are these home cooks, they take care of the kids, whereas if you go to a professional environment, because I also read that women receive less capital and less uh, of the most important currency, which is publicity. Mm. And you're not written about on best chef lists as much. And I mean, perhaps not yourself, but in general.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, I think this is something where like in Australia, I um, I do feel like I get recognized here for for my work as a professional. I I think it is shocking when you look at all those lists about best chefs around the world or top 50, whatever, um, how few women there are. I mean, as a figure certainly there are less female head chefs than men. So, you know, if you look at it as a proportion, there would always probably be more men on those lists. But but there's so many women that should be on there that are just not recognized. And I don't know what that is. I mean, I think a lot of these things are run as a bit of a boys club and it just tends to be, um, the way they go. And a lot of it, I think, is political, you know, how how connected you are to the people that run those things. I mean, it's not voted by peers. It's voted by like a, a community of people that are in the industry throughout the world. So um, I, I'm not surprised that that continues to happen, but it does have to start changing. Like, as you said, if you can't see, it, you can't be it. Like, that's a very brilliant point. And I don't know what else to do about that other than to just keep doing what I'm doing so that hopefully one day that changes. Totally. And I completely
1: refuse to believe this idea that women are less talented than their male God counterparts. God, no.
0: I, I mean, in so many instances, they're so much more talented, like, let's be honest, but they just don't get recognized. Do you feel the
1: difference between how the media portrays you, talks about you and writes about you versus your male counterparts when you've looked at articles?
0: I think, hmm, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's been quite fair here. Like the interesting thing for me is that, you know, I am a professional chef, but I've also just written a book that's about home cooking. So now I'm I'm trying to really talk a lot about that while also straddling this like professional chef role that I have. So I'm sort of seeing how they're not usually seen in tandem, how yeah. not a lot of people do the Chef job really well, but also do the home cooking job yeah. really well, well. I have a few
1: friends who are also, I guess, in the same uh, level of cooking as yourself. And they always tell me that they go home and eat magic noodles.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we all do that yeah. for sure. <laughs> but I do love cooking at home. I mean, I, I do think that was something that... Um, I probably hadn't done a lot of for several years when the restaurant was in its early days. And then, you know, through the writing of the book, and then especially th- when we were closed throughout um, the COVID uh, closure here in Australia, I reconnected with that love of home cooking. Like mm. it is the love of home cooking that led me to want to cook professionally. It's So you
1: say the love of home cooking and... I, I was so excited for this interview because I find no pleasure in cooking yeah but God I love to eat
0: well that's good I mean we need people to feed we can't all be cooking what is it what is the
1: what are the pleasures that you enjoy about that preparation
0: <laughs> to me it's like therapy okay. I I you know put on some nice music I don't have to look at a recipe which I think is probably the most enjoyable part like I if I'm baking I'm looking at a recipe right but if I'm cooking I'm really just like free flowing and just like letting things happen listening to all my senses I'm tasting I'm smelling I'm stirring I'm watching I'm you know all of those things and it I think because it takes me out of that headspace that probably a lot of us find ourselves in where we're just churning over the events of the day or things we need to do etc i can just switch all that off and just be myself in my kitchen so it's a very like present sort of thing for me and when it comes to crafting the menus at fred's uh, how do you keep reinventing
1: yourself and exploring that creative side through food
0: well the the reinventing is I mean, it's not, for me, I don't feel like reinventing is the right word. It's just constantly trying to improve and constantly trying to like find some better way of doing something or a better flavor combination. I, I think that's, that really drives me. I never do the same thing twice. Mm. Like you rarely see dishes, um, come back on the menu unless know. of course like that, like know. people talk, <laughs> talk to me about it and they're like, please do that one again um but i just i don't really find the joy in that i think that the ever changing nature of what we do is what's exciting you know there's never a boring day there's never a day where you can predict what's going to happen and and food is also always changing the ingredients are never the same like you may think you know that tomato tastes like the same tomato that i bought at the grocery store and and true there's probably some instances where it's like very similar. tomato has ever tasted the same as when I've had one in Italy. Well, there you go. I mean, but that's that's the difference between a very good tomato and a very average tomato. But you have to really be connected to, to taste those things and how their subtle differences are best used in different ways. Like, mm. you know, I'll give you an example. Sometimes we... we will have a dish on and it goes for a few days and it's all really smooth and and then the delivery the next week of whatever that main ingredient was let's say it's something like a turnip um, all of a sudden it's gotten warm outside and it's started to bolt and it's gotten a little bit more woody so you can't use it in the same way that we were using it so it's those things that really like force you to have to change every single week because it's just not working anymore yeah so when
1: you decide to change the menu, do you kind of stick to, I guess, guidelines around must have certain things to keep within theme?
0: Well, I mean, there's a lot to consider. You have to think about the flow of a menu. And we always try to consider the fact that, you know, we need to have and, and want to have a certain amount of vegetarian dishes on the menu. Um you know, if you have something really rich and heavy, you also want to have something that's quite light as a different option. Um, but mostly, you know, the vocabulary that I speak in, in the kitchen tends to stay within the same range. Yeah. Like it's all very simple. Um, we don't do a whole lot of trickery to anything it's just about highlighting and finding what's best at the moment and putting great things together you're always going to have a good result yeah um so it's more about listening than it is about listening and observing than it is about me saying I really want to do this I mean sometimes I have an idea and I'm like let's try that but mostly it's about what is the ingredient telling us it wants to do like I don't write a menu just from my own head I write a menu from Okay. The farms are telling us that this is really good. So yeah. I need to be using that next week. And then we use that as our framework.
1: Yeah. Because the way you were speaking about creating food and cooking and sampling and moving around, I could only imagine that would how that would be how an artist talks about like creating paint on a canvas.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it is like that intuition that makes it enjoyable. Like I can see how If that's if you don't have that level of confidence in the kitchen, having to stop read recipes, find ingredients, chop them how the chef says to chop it, you know, like I can see how that can take the flow and the joy out of it. So I I totally understand why some people say that they don't like cooking. I mean, also, I don't like cleaning up either. The mess (laughs) can be enormous. So I've gotten really good at cleaning up as I go, which I think is a key to enjoyable home cooking. Uh, do
1: you ever worry as you're crafting these menus, you're
0: you're cooking for people,
1: um, and it is such a personal expression for yourself, when you have people come in and the critics and the judgment, because I guess like just how an artist puts up a painting, yep. and it's up to me to say whether or not it resonates for me. Do, do you go through that same experience?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean… Again, I don't think anything we do is ever that challenging. But there's always critics, no matter what you do, as simple or as complex as it is. And again, it, it goes back to that thing that I was saying about caring less and less about what people think as I get older. I think the first few years we were open... I would lose sleep over it and people would complain about things that seem so silly now, you know, but I, I really, really took it to heart. And that's not to say that I don't listen to the complaints. Now I absolutely do because I think they can make you better because certainly there's things we get wrong all Mm -hmm. the time, but to, to take it personally, And to feel like offended if someone doesn't like something that I made, I, I just don't let it bother me as much. I mean, it still bothers me a little bit, but I don't, I take it in, but I kind of just like, okay, what can I learn from that? And then if it's, if I still really want to stick to my guns and stick by what I created, then we'll go with it. But then if it happens again, I start to question it like, okay, maybe people aren't responding to this the way that I thought they would. And that, That again happens, but also with time you start to figure out what people really enjoy and because I'm not, I'm not cooking for me, I'm cooking for you. I want you to enjoy it. So it's not about how much I love something. It's about how much the people in the room love something. I very much love everything I've eaten
1: with friends. (laughs) I am a continual returning. (laughs) Um, Clearly you have so much knowledge and experience and we've touched on the importance of uh, enabling women to enter this enter this industry, do you take the time, do you find the time with everyone I guess you work with um, to share that knowledge and mentor them through this process?
0: I probably don't take enough, okay. and I think this is where I really want to put the the energy that I do have left at the end of a big day and i'm I'm learning this like w- with every major change that happens, and this year we've all been through a lot of change. We end up losing a lot of the staff that that have been really crucial and have been with us for a while. And then, you know, you're you're bringing in sort of younger, more inexperienced chefs to cook in the kitchen. And that's great. Like they have the energy. They want to do it. They want to learn a deep breathing at some points. Yeah. It's definitely like, oh, my God, I'm like. No one here knows how to cook. No, they do. They're great. But, but, um, but sometimes, you know, you find yourself in a position of like, wow, I'm literally teaching someone who has never worked in a professional kitchen before. Yeah. So I have to stop and think about what it felt like for me mm. to step into my first kitchen job and think about what were the things that had impact? What were the things that inspired me? What were the moments where someone stopped to show me something that still stick with me today? and and also how influential influential those early days are like the the habits that you pick up then you'll end up carrying with you throughout your career so really being tough around Mm -hmm. certain issues of organization certain standards of cleanliness and all that kind of stuff are are super important to instill in the younger generation of chefs coming through but I do have to make it more of a priority to spend that, like, one-on-one time connecting with those young kids. Mm. Because it's not just... I mean, these days, I th- i think so many people are struggling with so many things, especially this year. But, like, the mental challenges of the work um, can break a lot of people if you're not careful.
1: Well, that's... It. I was going to... I was going to ask you a question about balance, but I try not to ask women this idea of like, how do you balance your life? Because, you know, men don't get asked that question. But in this industry, the mental health aspects that come with the pressure, I was interested to know how you do handle that. I mean, I did read that you like to take 30 minutes a day.
0: And I imagined I wondered if you meditated or. I don't No, I don't do meditation, but I do the like quiet time with my coffee not looking at my phone just like looking out the window kind of I I do a lot of just like visualizing how I want things to go and I when I know what's coming up I can kind of play it out in my head and imagine the best case scenario which which I think for me really helps um which is honestly how I cook a lot of times I visualize what I want at the end and then I take all the steps to get there but um I think, you know, like anything, you really just have to put it in perspective. Like I say to my chefs, yes, I'm tough about certain standards, but at the end of the day, we're cooking food. It's yeah. not, we're not doctors. We're not saving lives. There should not be so much anxiety and stress around what we do. There has to be an enjoyment to it. There has to be enjoyment to it. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. So, you know, there's days where I'm more successful in practicing what i preach than others but but really i try to bring it back to that is you know come in do a great job and focus on getting better every day and doing the best you absolutely can but in some days if it doesn't work out or we have a terrible service or someone complains or you overcook the fish like that's always gonna happen and you just have to be able to like move on and grow
1: and what are some of the, or I guess, did you have any key female mentors or what are some of those pieces of advice that you were given when you were starting out that have just landed and just run with you for the rest of your life?
0: I think um, I had first, firstly, yes, I had incredible female mentors, which, um, again, is is probably why I was able to. Take the path that I have taken. Yeah, it almost in seemed like quite a nice funnel that you had. Oh in no, the research it was I did amazing. Like you know, all, all of my greatest mentors were women, and yeah. the and these are women that are like very acclaimed chefs in the U.S. So so obviously I knew it was possible. Um, but I think you know where I worked at in California at Chez Panisse in Berkeley, which is where I was for the last four years that I was there. Um, Alice Waters, who's the founder and owner of the restaurant. She's not in the kitchen every day, but she's always around, Mm -hmm. um, at least when I was there. And one of the things, bits of advice that she gave me, which I'm still trying to like work out how I get there was at some point, she put it this way, she says, at some point you have to look up from the stove. And what she means by that is at some point you have to look beyond just the cooking of the day and figure out how your work is going to have impact on the world. Hmm. She's obviously, I mean, she's so inspiring, but all the work that she's done around, um, you know, just by the nature of the restaurant, supporting small local farms, supporting, um, healthy soil management through that farming, um, which breeds a great community, healthy people, all of that. But her biggest job that she'll tell you now is the education of children into, um, growing and cooking their own food through her foundation, the Edible Schoolyard Foundation. So I haven't quite found like what it is that I want to put a lot of my energy into into the future. Um, But it probably has something to do around that. So I think that's important because food is something that all of us enjoy. And it has the power, I think, to really change the world, if not just, you know, our societies and the way that we operate. So if I can play a small role in that, I'd like to be able to do that with my work at some point. I was curious as to if you were to look down the looking glass of the next five to 10 years of perhaps
1: what changes you may have seen for yourself.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I've been asking myself that a lot lately, because I think I'm at a bit of a point in my career where um, things can go one way or the other, or I could just keep doing what I'm doing for several more years and see what happens. And I'm not sure. I, I think that at some point I know I can't be standing in the kitchen five nights a week doing that. Yeah, it is. And that, But that's also why, you know, I tell my young chefs like, you put in the work now while you can and then, you know, you have to be able to diversify like as you get older as a chef, there's so many more avenues now than there were when I was younger to like make your way in cooking and food. Mm. Um, so it is totally possible to continue doing this kind of a job well into your older age. Um, but physically the toll of it is tough. So I have to be careful about that. And, and I want to be able to find more time to, do things that benefit the community and not just myself in a restaurant.
1: Mm. Um,
0: What is your opinion
1: on the, I guess, changing uh, landscape of social media and how that's impacted
0: cooking? Um, I think on the one hand, there's a lot of really great aspects to it. Like Mm. the fact that you can promote certain things on social media and have them be a success – without really spending much money on it, is, I think, brilliant. And especially now, like with everything changing so rapidly all the time, it gives restaurants um, and chefs an ability to communicate directly with people that you would not have had before. Um, And you can find really great... a really great online community of people that follow you and support you and encourage you and I think all that stuff is really brilliant especially in in times when people feel more and more lonely but on the other side of it and I think we all know this is it's so idealized what we put online it's really not reality so people will see things and they think oh that's how easy it is and that's how simple it is to get to the top of that and I just want to I just want to get there. Why aren't I there? You know, I should be there now. And that's just not how it is. A lot of things take time. They're certainly not as glamorous as they look online. And so it's hard to tell people like, okay, it's really not how you imagine it to be. It's actually a lot harder and a lot more arduous. Do you feel that all of our passions should become destined for our careers? Like you, you
1: seemingly have had the good fortune of, it is your passion, it is your absolute love, and you have had, whilst putting in the time, energy, action to yeah. get where you've gotten. Do you think that that's what happens? Whereas I think that is also what social media promotes.
0: Yes and no. Like, I, I mean, I think, again, there's a lot of people that think it's their passion and they end up getting into it and work, making it your work, like monetizing it, takes a lot of the joy out because. You know, there's so many added pressures and stresses that come along with that, and you know, I would say the same is true for like artists uh, of any kind. But you know, I, I mean, yeah, it's tough for me to say. I I think that there's a lot of jobs that probably need filling, and we have too many people that are like off creating jewelry lines and things like that rather than like you know, let's just, some of us just need to do the work. So what do you think you could
1: have done or would have done if you hadn't have become a chef?
0: I really don't know. You know, I thought about this the other day. Like, what if I had not made that decision to become a chef? I'm the type of person that whatever I would have done, I would have just like worked really hard at it. And I would have done great. Like I would have been the top salesperson if I had decided to, oh, to do that yeah like I have that in me yeah. but I don't think that there would have been anything that would have been as rewarding so I feel really happy that I made that call yeah. back then tenacity
1: that missing ingredient mind the pun uh, that I think most people miss yeah of any career trajectory. well I think
0: um yeah these days I don't know it feels like uh some of the younger generation are just missing that
1: uh, speaking of missing ingredients, before we wrap up, I want to ensure we talk about Just Add Lemon. Yeah. So could you share a little more about your book? Because yes. I'm, when I read cooking books, I look at really nice pictures and then I beg my wife to cook <laughs> them for me and say, what about this one?
0: Well, that's okay. I mean, I've had a lot of people tell me that they've read the book cover to cover and it was a highly enjoyable read. So I feel quite yeah, you proud are a lovely, of that. Yeah, you are a lovely writer. Thank you very much. I, I think I, I tried to write the book like I was the young me looking for books that had that kind of content in them. Like recipes that are inspiring, some a little bit more challenging, a bit more technical, but also some that are super simple that can help build your confidence a little bit. Um, And also I have a section in the back of the book that's projects more about like making bread and cheese at home, things that are a little bit more involved. Um, I really just wanted to share... Some of my most prized recipes, but some of the ideas and stories that inspired me as a young chef. Um, Because I think cooking at home is important. And I think a lot of us this past year have come back to that and realized how much of a necessity it is that you can't just be going out all the time, that ordering takeaway is not a great thing. Yeah, it's food, but it's always soggy and it's never right. And, you know, again, it's that idea of food being a pleasure. And I think cooking at home is part of that.
1: I completely agree. I feel like it was so timely coming out of COVID. And all these things that everyone, you know, usually would like to do, the greatest thing in my weeks now are like, are we going out to dinner or are we having people over for a meal? And that remembering of how food brings us together, like some of the greatest conversations have shared over a meal.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, and that was the, the idea behind like Fred's, for example, and having it be a really open kitchen is that, you know, most of the time at a great dinner party, everyone always stands around, ends up at the end of the night standing around the kitchen bench. And I love that. I I think it's like the last thing that we do these days that is totally for, for pleasure, but brings us around our friends and elicits that great conversation where you talk about, you know, the important topics of the world and how you can be inspired by something your friend said over dinner, you know, that propels you the next day to make a decision and you go on to change the world. Like those are those are things that we miss when we forget to make that time for ourselves our friends and our family and and it makes me really sad to think that like so many parts of the world right now are experiencing something where you just you're not able to do that i mean we felt it for several months but nothing like the rest of the world and i think that can feel very lonely and it it's missing that joy that sitting around a table and eating great food brings all of us absolutely Um, thank you so much for today thank you this has been such
1: a pleasurable conversation (laughs) Uh, my final question you're standing in front of a room of 10,000 women and you're able to offer one piece of advice what would you say
0: Uh, it's just a small one yeah I think well maybe I'd say okay I'll say one thing first number one don't be afraid. I think fear just takes takes our abilities uh, or it makes our, our abilities null and void because we talk ourselves out of things so easily, but we don't talk ourselves into doing them as much as we should. Um, and number two is what I've said several times, don't worry about what people are going to think about you. Just do what you think is right. Do what you want to do. Great pieces of advice. Thank you so very much. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Modern Women. If this content is delivering value to you, it would be so helpful and appreciated if you head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher and rate and review us as that helps us build this incredible community. And ultimately, that is what this is all about. Building this community as big as we can to help as many women as possible. And all of your ratings and reviews truly help with that. And before I go, a shout out to Chunky Love for the original music and to Mr. Darren Lake over at Podpace for helping me produce this show for all of you.